just past 7 o'clock, and here we go, Monday night. We're getting excited. It's time for Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Ira, back in studio with us. And Ira, I understand you had to get a flight in last night. Not necessarily attending any sports events. Not that there's all that much going on, but you were enjoying some of the uh, the better things in life, like uh, Long Island in the summertime. Well, the Hamptons. It was very nice to be out there, but I did go to an event and met some sports people, which hopefully we'll get some guests from that on the show. I know you love hockey, so I was with some of the people who were running the Edmonton Oilers. So we might maybe get, would that be great to get Connor McDavid on the show someday <laughs> because of that. So we'll see. But uh, no, I've, I've nothing this week, but uh, looking forward for next week because I'll probably go to the All-Star Game, Home Run Derby, Evan L.A., Excited about that. Have you been to Home Run Derbies before? I've been to Home Run Der- I was at the Josh Hamilton Home Run Derby oh, at Magic Stadium. Where it was tremendous. That where he just had like 25 home runs people in a row. People forget that he lost that too. <laughs> yes, he lost because they, he had people remember. He had like 25 in a row. And then the next round, he ended up losing. But And I was also at, Ch- at City Field for the Home Run Derby there. And uh, I think those were, and the Miami, when I was at, when Aaron Judge won. And that was the one, I, I actually, I think one of my buddies won a couple thousand dollars. I, I, for the, they were doing their warmups. And all Judge did was like, he was so locked in that every time he touched the ball, the ball would like, was out, home run. I said, you've got to bet everything on Judge. He can't miss. And then, of course, he didn't miss. He had a zillion home runs. But he actually was close at the end, the final round. When you do these number of rounds, that's one thing. But uh, uh, no, I'm ex- Look, I'm excited. I have great seats for the All-Star Game. I can't wait to go. So they haven't released the the names yet of who's going to be competing in the Derby, I don't think. I mean, we can assume Pete Alonso. He just be announced. There. He yeah. annou- he is the only one who announced, and I like that. But we talked about this before. Baseball needs the stars in this. They really do. They yeah. cannot have no names. I think the top stars have to play, and it just brings – they cannot have Monday night without the stars in this game. You need to have them come out and play, and I just hope – I hope they get – you know, if they go, Tawny should play. Like, everyone – all the big – it should have to be a big name to be out there. And we were talking about it after the show last week about how maybe they need to change the format. They do something – you know, other sports are embracing changing their all-star games to make it more appealing. Do we need to see these guys hit for 30 minutes? Maybe get eight pitches or maybe do teams, something like that, just to change it up and maybe get it reinvigorated. Yeah, I mean, something. I mean, they, it's been – it does seem to go on forever with the different rounds and that you have to lose the different rounds. That just – I guess that's something, but I, I think the most important thing is to get the stars out there. They're the stars. People want to see the players. They don't want. They want to see the superstar players. I mean, Judge should be. I mean, every all the stars should be in that. For the international market, Major League Baseball has to want Otani to play. I mean, that'd be massive. J- just right there, getting you know the the um, you know Asian Asian foreign countries and stuff like that involved with Shohei Otani. I, I think that'd be a, a slam dunk. They're probably greasing him some money. Well, on the I table was to in, get him I out was there. in New York, and I but when the when the Angels played down here in Miami. They got 30,000 fans. I mean, that was the most they've had in how many years? Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't draw with the Yankees with that. I mean, that was unbelievable to sell out with Otani. His name, it's great. And we're going to have, in two weeks, Jeff Fisher, who wrote the book. He's an Orange County writer. He also covers the Lakers Lodge. You might see his name everywhere, but he's going to be a guest on the show. He wrote a book about Otani, so it'll be great to have have him on, talking about So I'm excited about that guest. I'm, we have some really great guests coming up. Jeff Perlman, who wrote the Showtime, who wrote the book Showtime, that winning time on HBO, is based on we had Paul West said. He's going to be here on uh, for Iron Sports, and then we have a writer that I think next Monday we're going to have a writer uh, who wrote the book on seventeen and O about the Dolphins. So everything we love about the Dolphins here, but everybody talks about football. You know, they were this only NFL team to go undefeated. The Patriots almost did it, so we're going to have him on the show. So I'm excited about that interview. And uh, we're going to have Tim Frank in probably two weeks. We've had him on before. He's third in command of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Had him on a couple times before. And uh, excited out. I mean, he's like there's Silver, Tatum, and then Frank. So we have the third in command of the NBA coming on. So I'm excited with our guests. And I'm working on so many more. I think we're going to have this next month and a half. is going to be the best set of guests we've ever had on the show. And the NBA is doing a great job of keeping themselves in the headlines, much like the NFL does. We'll talk about that uh, coming up on Iron Sports. A lot to discuss uh, when it comes to that. But I, you know, for the past week or so, my phone, it's been crazy how many people I know that really never talk about tennis that are completely wrapped up in Wimbledon. I don't know what it was this year. Maybe, you know, just uh, excitement and buzz around it, but everyone's all involved, and I know you pretty much saw every match. Well, you know, I'm one of the biggest tennis fans I think I know. <laughs> Tremendous, but... 
Novak Djokovic was great. You had Nick Kyrgios in the final. You had Nadal. So you had really, besides Federer, you have, it was just all the storylines were there. The matches were great. It's on center court. Watching, the, it's so easy to watch. The, the points, it's not like the French Open where the points last forever. The points are over quick. The matches are over a little quicker than than, than other tournaments, even the U.S. Open. And you have the Prince, uh, Princess uh, Kate Middleton is there, mm-hmm. Prince George, the son, Prince Williams. It's just all the pageantry of Wimbledon. It was great. And uh, Joe Novak, Novak Djokovic wins his 21st Grand Slam title, uh, seventh Wimbledon title, fourth in a row. He's one behind Nadal, uh, and uh, it was the final was tremendous against Kyrgyz. So let's um, let's start with the quarters here. Um, what happened here uh, starting out on the men's side? Well, that we quarters were on Tuesday. We did our show on Monday, but Djokovic played Yannick Sinner, and Yannick Sinner is from Italy, and he's someone who is 20 years old, and we think potentially. Uh, could have a, a very good run. And I mean, he's someone who's good, like the next Nadal, the next Djokovic. Um, Joker started out first set 4 1, cruising. And suddenly, two double faults, two missed drop shots. He blows the set. The second set, Sinner cruises and is, is winning. And then John McEnroe's doing the show, and he's like, this match is over. I feel sorry for Djokovic. He was banned from the Australian Open. He loses to Nadal in the French. He probably can't play in the U.S. Open. This is so bad. On and on and on. I'm like, wait a second. I mean, this is Joe Djokovic. I mean, he comes back. <laughs> he was at the French Open now, two sets and under hits the pass last year, came back and won. He's played like 44 five-set matches. Sinner's played like two. I mean, it was like no comparison. Like, how are you writing Djokovic off? Like, I have never seen anything like that in my life. But this is John McEnroe. And they were like, oh, feels so bad for Djokovic. And, of course, what does Djokovic do? at uh, In the third set, it's 1-1. Sinner misses an easy shot, and it just got to him. You know, I guess if you play golf, anyone who does any type of sports, so basketball, miss a layup, anything, or miss a throw a bad interception, he missed just a, missed an easy, easy shot right at the net. It was a winner. It was just standing right there. And after he missed it, totally fell apart. And it was just, and then Joker ended up breaking him. Fourth set, he won. It was easy. And then the fifth set, Djokovic was up 4-2, was 30-40. He <laughs> just dives. He does, hits the ball for a winner. He does like this uh, swimming motion. He's lay, lying on his stomach, winnings the shot. And Sinner just, then he won every rest of the point of the match. But it was a big win for Djokovic because, of course, everyone had him written off, which I, I didn't think so. I'm watching and, you know, and I'm like, I've seen him come back. I've seen Nadal come back. These guys, that's what they do. They're just great on the fourth and fifth sets, and they play longer. Then these younger players aren't used to that. They can't stay motivated for, you know, most of the tennis is best best out of three. Only in the majors do you have best out of five. So that's what happens. It makes sense that they wouldn't have as much opportunity as someone who's, you know, been to, been to so many majors like this. Um, so what happened next? No, but then the Cam Norrie from England, uh, who, was, who actually, <laughs> Cam Norrie, is someone who we haven't really followed that much, but he was at TCU and won a title. He was born in New Zealand, born in born in Australia. Then he moved to New Zealand. Then he lived in England. He's been like everywhere, everywhere in the world. So everybody can claim Cam Norrie, but he's very <laughs> popular. So he brings a lot of people out because he claims he's English now. So he beat David Goffin. But then the other semifinal, the next day, quarterfinal, was Nadal Taylor Fritz. Same situation. Nadal's three six. Uh, he, he was up. He was up the first set, dominating, and then he fell apart in the first set. And Fritz, uh, from America, who's young, twenty three years old, but really an exciting player. I saw him at the U.S. Open. Came on the won the first set, and then uh, at one point, Fritz won like you know eleven out of twelve points. Totally dominated. Second set, Nadal is hurt. He can't even serve. Like something happened to his stomach, so he's getting treated, and his his serving is like at ninety miles an hour. He's serving just terrible, but he still ended up winning that set seven five. But then he loses the third six three. So he's down, down two sets to one. But in the fourth set, he comes back and wins 7-5. Fifth set was crazy. Nadal's pulling shot after shot. Fritz is hanging in there. And then they get to a tiebreaker. And that's where you play a best out of a first one to 10. He won 10-4 in the tiebreaker. But it was one of those matches where you just saw that Nadal was hurting. His father was in the stands saying, stop. Like, you know, throw the towel in. Like, if he had a towel. <laughs> he says, don't, don't do it anymore. Nadal kept fighting through. But unfortunately, he wins the match. And then he can't play. So then... Kyrgios got a walkthrough through the finals. I was hoping, what was I saying? I wanted Nadal and Djokovic, but and I would normally say, oh, Nadal should try to play. He clearly was so injured. He just went, gutted it through for the Fritz match, and it's unfortunate that we didn't get to see Nadal Djokovic. And Kyrgios beat Garen in three, in three sets to get to the finals, so he advanced through. But Djokovic first had to beat Nori in the uh, semifinal, which he... I mean, I don't think Djokovic was awake that first set. He was broken three times, down 6-2, and you're like, what is happening with Djokovic in these first sets? And then he just cruised 6-3, 6-2, 6-4, easily won, setting up the Kyrgyz-Djokovic final. And, and this is what, 
I mean, it is a little disappointing. Like like you said, you, you want to see the best. You don't want to see a guy get a bye. But regardless, Kyrgios isn't some guy off the street. I mean, he's a real player, and we were anticipating a good match here. Well, I think it was Kyrgios has been someone, he's 27 years old. He's been playing in the pros in like eight years, but he is crazy. I mean, he he's has, got a screw loose. He is Draymond Green. He's <laughs> he is breaking rackets. I, he's Bobby, everything that people have done. He I, Watch the clips of him. He's thrown chairs on the court. He has... Decided he's losing, so he's hitting, but he hits every ball out of the stadium. He's been <laughs> defaulted. He attacks fans. He swears. He is the bad boy of all bad boys in terms of what happened. Now, this tournament against Titsabas, he was out of control. Titsabas said, this is a joke. But then the last two matches against Gorn and uh, and the one before, he he was actually not so crazy. And everyone said, oh, in the finals, he'll be fine. He won't be yelling and screaming. But I said, no, I think he will because he knows he's not going to get defaulted. I mean, he attacks everyone, chair umpires, linesmen, and he pulled the same stunt. I could have written the script in terms of what he was going to do. And I told people this is what he was going to do. First of all, he always picks out one fan and just goes after the fan. <laughs> and he weird. starts, and then he gets the fan thrown out, even if the fan's not doing anything. So he had this one fan that he said, oh, this woman had 700 drinks and she's this and that. And then he had to take her out. And the woman had like two drinks. You know, she's been whatever. And it was like nothing. But he just goes after a certain fan, screams at the fans. And then, he, but he pulled a little, and I thought about this. I'm like, He's not going to yell at Djokovic, which he did against Titsipas, and he doesn't want to ask the chair umpire because the chair umpire has been known to fault people for yelling at him. But he, so he picked his own. Now this is hilarious. He picked his his own family and his <laughs> his manager. He doesn't have a coach. He says nobody can coach. Of course nobody can coach. Of course. Not. But so it's like if you got a ticket, and said, "Hey, Nick calls you up. Hey, do you want to sit in my box?" You say, "No, no, no," because he was <laughs> yelling at them the entire match. They're not cheering loud enough. They're not standing. He's sitting there on the break, screaming, "What are you guys doing? You're losers. You're not helping me. You're this and that." Like yelling and yelling and yelling. And now it's his girlfriend's up there too. Now considering that his ex girlfriend, he's now being accused of beating up. Now he's screaming at his new girlfriend. I don't think it helps his court case to be doing that. But he was out of control, and it wasn't this isn't just one time. It was constant, and it, to the point was in the second set, he got broken because he was screaming at his box while at the same time he's trying to serve the ball. I mean, could you imagine someone shooting a free throw, yelling at someone, or like putting the a golf shot and yelling at like your friends? So it is craziness. <laughs> and the announcers sort of cover for this a little bit. Some did. The English announcer said this is em embarrassing to tennis. And I cannot believe, now only Djokovic wouldn't have made a bigger deal about this, but but it's almost Djokovic, it gave him, I think it helped Djokovic a little bit because he saw that Kyrgyz was about to lose his mind and gave him, like, look, I'm still in this match, even though Kyrgyz, the first set, played 6-4. He was serving. He's a great server. His hand-eye quickness is unbelievable. He plays doubles. He, he had shots between his legs. He had a shot where he ran back. Djokovic lobbed him. He ran up, hit it between his legs, running back the other way for a winner. Um, he hit shots nobody can hit. He can, from any side of the court, even if he's out, he'll just hit a winner. His, his, he gets 120 miles an hour on a ground strokes. But most of the time, he's just out of control, crazy, and with all this skill. But somehow he put it together, as he said. I put it together. I mean, he's known. He doesn't practice. He said going into it, he goes, I don't practice more than an hour a day. He doesn't have a coach. And when he played Federer in Wimbledon, he admitted, well, I was out drinking the night before till 4 a.m. <laughs> and my coach... And the man manager got me out of a bar, and I didn't sleep the night before. So this is this is he really is a character. And uh, so the first set he won six four, and then that's we talked about when Kyrgios was yelling at someone. Djokovic broke the second set, and that was twenty. He had twenty one straight games where he hadn't lost a serve, and Djokovic finally broke him and, and did there, and then broke him in love. Actually, broke him there, and then Joker was serving at five three in love, and comes back and wins uh, wins that set. Uh, five, well, he was love 40 at 5 3, ended up winning. And the third set, that was the joke of it. That was when Kyrgyz was yelling at the lady, screaming, and I've got a code warning, was using uh, bad words. And Prince George, who's like, I don't know, six years old, uh, whatever, he's there. His faces are like, oh my gosh, I'm hearing this <laughs> What's swearing. Going on? On. What's going on? It was so funny to show that. And uh, at 4 4, um, Kyrgyz was serving at 40 love and blew that. I mean, he's just, he, he, both times he got broke, he was serving at 40 love and up and, and he blows that. And then on the fourth set, you're like, I was waiting for him to go crazy, but the fourth set he did and he actually served out of his mind. Djokovic was having a little bit trouble uh, returning serve, but it went, it went to a tiebreaker and uh, in the end, in the tiebreaker, the first point of the tiebreaker, Kyrgyz double faulted. And then, wow. And then Kyrgyz, then he made a couple of stupid mistakes and Djokovic was able to win that tiebreaker. Is what they said. And I think Macro did make a good comment. He goes, Kyrgyz's problem is that when he goes crazy, he loses an entire game. Like every player <laughs> plays like, 
a bad shot or whatever. But 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 Djokovic can play like one bad shot or two bad shots. Kyrgios threw these games away, and he was only broken a couple times, and that's what he was only broken two times in the whole match, and that's what cost him the match. Uh, it was. It was entertaining in the fact that he was just the shots he hits are um, are tremendous. But the fact that Djokovic Djokovic moves so well, he is such a great return of service. So he's able to take advantage of that. He serves well, plays well, wins the points. He is tremendous. I mean, it's it's going to be between Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, who's the greatest of all time. I can't see Federer winning any more Grand Slams. Nadal was twenty two, Djokovic twenty one. Uh, but in the it's it's just. I cannot believe it. if there was if one of those wasn't in this threat. They each have one would have thirty. I mean, this is crazy to have the three best players at, uh, playing almost in their prime at the same time. It's it's that's why after they're gone, there'll be nothing in tennis because these are it. And then to watch Djokovic at his age, at thirty six years old, play at this high, super high level, making shots uh, and 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 being able to win his serve. I mean, it's just. He is able to take his just movement and his ability to work the points. And someone made a comment that he is. It's aggressive, almost like, you know, he's very much like Tiger Woods. And I'll say this and that is that he plays the point to win. Like if you hit an easy shot, he's going to beg winner. Like Tiger Woods will go for the birdie when the birdie's there. But he's not going to be stupid and go for winners when it's just not a high percentage. You pay, you play the percentages. And Tiger does that on how many shots he hits in rounds, 65 in rounds. That he mm-hmm. sort of plays the percentages. Djokovic has to play way more shots than that, but every even during the points, he wasn't. He doesn't play passive. He plays aggressive, but in a way that maximizes his opportunity to win, and that's what makes him just elite, elite, elite. And we're never going to see anyone like him when Nadal. Federer is pretty much done, but when Nadal and Djokovic retire, we'll never see anything like either one of them ever again. This is Ira on Sports True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. So, what happened uh, on the women's side? Not as exciting. We didn't have big names. We had two first time finalists, but one was Owens Jabor from Tunzania, and that's the first time t- someone from Tunzania was in the finals, and against Alana Ravonica, who is a younger player, is 23 years old, but she b- was born in Russia. Remember, the Russians were banned from this tournament. She was born in Russia, but for the last three, four years, she's been playing as a Kazakh again, Kazakhstan, <laughs> who we know from Borat movies. Yeah. So that's what's famous about that. And she ended up, she was 100 to 1 going to the tournament. And she looks like Maria Sharapova. She's very tall, big serve, big forehand. And, and Owens Jabor dominated the first set 6-3. And you're like, wow, Owens Jabor, who's the third seed, which is going to cruise to victory. And then uh, Alana, 6-2, um, 6-2, the final, at one point, one eight out of nine uh, games. The, the serve was tremendous. Her forehand was, and Jabor just didn't know what to do about it. But uh, it was like, would you like to take that bet going to this tournament? You know, when I looked at it, she was the 19th seed, and she has the game for Wimbledon. I was surprised when her odds were 100 to 1, considering there's no other dominance. Swiatek was the best player in the world, but mm-hmm. but she's not comfortable on grass. You thought, boy, that would have been a good bet. It's like sometimes you see a winner, like, oh, I should have bet that. But that was a good bet, 100 to 1, when someone like that. And, and we'll see what happens now going forward. It's been the sixth. Now it's the sixth first-time winner. It's been six different winners at Wimbledon. You haven't seen uh, someone like Serena Williams winning in Venus won so many. Now you're seeing different winners every year. So Ira, you had, you know, we talked about it on the show before. Of all these sporting events, you've been to everything but Wimbledon. And you had maybe taken a glance at what tickets were going to cost, and I could not believe what you Ten thousand to get in. I've never seen it. It's Super- unbelievable. It was higher than Super Bowls. Um, it was ten thousand even for the final. I mean, it's over than that. But for both the semifinals, it was ten thousand because of Nori versus Djokovic. But it was. I mean, I just I would love to go to Wimbledon, the Formula One, and British Open. That is a great thing when you see it at the same time of that whole week. You could be there for three weeks in 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 uh, in, in uh, England. It would just. I, be tremendous. So maybe I can get knock all three of those off in the same. Then I can wear. I'm not wearing like my Delray Beach shirt. I <laughs> and I, I'm not wearing. I'm not wearing the right. I don't have a Wimbledon shirt. I don't have a British I Open know. hat. Like or you're not supposed to call British Open. It's called the Open. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> the Open Championship. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the NFL. We talked earlier. NBA doing a great job keeping themselves relevant um, during the off season. NFL has always been the master of this. And after the draft, Ira, I really thought, well, Baker Mayfield is not going anywhere. Because who was going to be a suitor after the draft? You know, they're trying to gain capital for this draft if you're the Cleveland Browns. There was really only two locations he could even fall into. It was either Seattle or Carolina. And we saw Carolina make the move, and they're going to require Baker Mayfield. How much can I say I love this? I I just – I don't think words – can describe because I see Mike Wilbon today on Party Interruption saying, I don't want to hear about Baker Mayfield. I hear all these other people saying, I don't want to hear about Baker Mayfield. To me, this is a match made in heaven. 
going to Carolina because let's analyze who is the coach at Carolina. It's Matt Rule. And what was Matt Rule doing in the year 2017? He was coaching Baylor. Now, he only won, had one win that year, but he played. It was a game that was like 48-41 to 41 when he lost to Baker Mayfield. In Baker Mayfield, the year Baker Mayfield won the Heisman Trophy, was the Big 12 Player of the Year, was the best quarterback in the country, was everything. So he got to see Baker play that year and saw the great Baker Mayfield that had was just was 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 a phenom. Yeah. Was was unbelievable. I mean, what, what his stat lines in college of uh, 130 touchdowns at one point uh, and and like a few 131 touchdowns, 30 interceptions, uh, 4,300 yards every year at Oklahoma. Remember, he walked on Texas Tech, then he did walk on Oklahoma. But Matt Rule was used to that, so I think uh, Matt Rule has his two years at Carolina: five and 11 and five and 12. I mean, he's. This is it. He doesn't have a good. He's year on the this hottest year. seat. There this is. is as hot. Right. This is as hot as a seat can be. If I'm going to go down fighting with someone or not, I'm going with. I'm not going with Sam Darnell. I'm not going with Matt Corral. Who's the other guy? I'm going with Baker Mayfield. Like these two are tied with this. Like they're they're going down. They're the they're going to try to rescue the Titan. I mean, this is it. <laughs> like I love this. This is you want if you're a coach and everything depends on it. I want someone who in college was was a walk on twice who did this and pulled rabbits out of his house where they said no chance, well no chance, no chance. I think this is a match made in heaven between Rule and Mayfield, and I love it. I love. It. I know Robbie Anderson, the wide receiver, doesn't like him, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, and all this, and we don't like progressive commercials and all this other stuff. But he plays with a fire, and I think, I mean, look, it, I, people compare him to Trubisky. He was in 2020 he had 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions. That's phenomenal in the NFL. And in 2021, he had a bad year because he was injured. But he's played. He's, he's played every game: 14, 16, 16, and 14. He was the rookie of year in 2018. You want to look at all the NFL record books on the quarterbacks for rookie years. Don't look at Peyton Manning, John Elway. It's all Baker Mayfield set all those records as a rookie. So I, for all these people, and what did what did Carolina trade for him? A fifth round draft pick. Yeah. Fifth round draft. They didn't pick. take that much contract. Either. And they took five. They had to pay five million of the contract, and the and and the Browns pay ten million. And the Browns gave this guy up for Deshaun Watson, who's going to be suspended the entire year or even more. Who knows how long? But Deshaun Watson, I mean, he's going to go two years without playing football. I, I just I love it. I, I, I think they're over under with six. I, people are not saying this is going to work out. I think it does. I think Matt Rule and I think Baker Mayfield are going to be perfect. Jeff Nixon, we've had on our show. He was their offense coordinator. He's well aware of uh, I tried to get him to come on our show, but he, they won't really let assistants go on show in the NFL. But uh, um, I really like this move. I might be the only one alive that likes this. Uh, I, no, I mean, I think a lot of people don't like Baker Mayfield more than they don't like him as a quarterback. And that's not a fair way to, to gauge this. I also hear people saying, oh, well, he's not that much of an upgrade over Sam Darnold. Are you crazy? Sam Darnold, we know what he is right now. We've seen Baker elevate teams. We've seen Baker win playoff games. Sam Darnold's never been close to that. And I know he had some pieces in Cleveland, but this is still the Cleveland Browns. They're still dysfunctional. And I'm not saying that the roster is so much better in Carolina, but at least you've got a little bit of a, a foundation with it. You know, a team that's every year has a good defense. They do have Christian McCaffrey if he plays eight games or whatever he's going to play. I don't think it's that crazy. And as you said, this is kind of the last shot for both of these guys. Baker is guaranteed to be a backup if it doesn't work out here. And Matt Rule's probably out of the league if it doesn't work here. So I don't think it's as crazy as people think. And yeah, if I'm Matt Rule, I want my best chance to win. I saw Sam Darnold last year. It was not my best chance to win. I'm taking Baker Mayfield. How good is the NFL, though, that week one Cleveland plays in Carolina? <laughs> Cleveland's paying him $580,000 for that game that he might beat them in. Kind of funny how that works I, out. You know, <laughs> well, I, I looked at this the game. I just love the look at that game. I had to pull up that the Oklahoma-Baylor game in 2017. He was only 13 for 19, so he didn't throw the ball much. They ran the ball a lot, and I think that's the one thing people – he really – even with the Cleveland running game, I think it's – I think Rule looks at that and say, look, here's a quarterback that can help even the running game using McCafferty. He's good at play-action passes, works out well. I mean, I looked at Oklahoma wide receivers in that game. Mark Andrews, the tight end mm -hmm. for the Ravens. CeeDee Lamb, the wide receiver for the Cowboys. And Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. All on the, They were all catching passes, and Trey Sermon was running. I mean, talk about a loaded Oklahoma team there. But um, I, I think – I'm telling you, I just – I can't be more excited. I would bet the Carolina Panthers over the over six line because I know their odds didn't even improve. I mean, people are so down. Those progressive commercials have hurt Baker Mayfield so much. I think people just, but it's not. He doesn't play. It's just an act. It's just a TV show. It's just a commercial. That's what I mean. People hate him more than his quarterback play. They yeah. just there's something about Baker Mayfield people don't like. It's not 
He's, he can go out this year and go 15-2. and two. People are still going to hate him. It's not going to change the, the public perception of Baker Mayfield. And I don't think Sam Darnell, like the other thing is, if he was going into Carolina and, and Cam Newton was the quarterback, and I think he was going to take it there, and I think it would be an issue. But I don't think there's this love affair of the team. No. Sam Darnell always got hurt. He gets hurt everywhere. You saw him with the Jets. He gets hurt. He doesn't play. He plays a couple good games, a couple bad games. He looks like a career backup for Sam Darnell. Like another 10 years in the league of backup. And not someone you were going to start it. But Baker Mayfield could turn this around, but I like the fact you put rule. I thought going to Seattle was a joke. Didn't make any sense to me. This makes total sense. I can't wait for this to happen. I think it's going to be great. If you had a time machine, how funny would it be to go back four years and tell a Carolina Panther fan before the draft, you guys are going to end up with the number one and three pick in this draft. They wouldn't believe you, but that's what we're looking at uh, right now. I hope it works for them. Uh, the division's not great either, Ira. You get uh, Atlanta and the rebuilding Saints. So technically, that could be four wins right there. Granted, you got to play um, you know, Tampa Bay too, but not the hardest division, and we've seen, you know, nine, ten wins can get you in. I'm not going to be shocked if they make the playoffs. They won't do any damage, but Baker Mayfield has elevated players before, and I don't think that this is completely insane. And this is the other thing about Matt Rule. He's coached. He's bounced around different jobs, but he's turned around. That's why he got this great job they did. He was 1-11 and at Baylor. 1-11, and and then two, three years later, he's earning, what, $7 million a year yeah. coaching the Carolina Panthers? Why? Because he went 7-6 and 11-3. He is great at turning around teams. He knows how to make a move. He knows how to get his offenses ex- to be uh, uh, lightning and, and, ex- and exciting. I-, I just love it. Ira on Sports True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. It's seven twenty six. So, Ira, I'm not even a Pittsburgh, uh, a Pittsburgh Steeler fan, but I physically cringed when I saw that Heinz Field is no longer going to be Heinz Field. It's not that it's no longer Heinz Field. It's the new name. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you could put, like, this is, first of all, understand, the Steelers have only played, and they're a million-year history. They've only played in four different stadiums named by something. One was Forbes Field, where the Pirates played. That was Pitt Stadium. Mm-hmm. They played in Pitt Stadium, and then they played Forbes Field. 30, they played Forbes Field for 30 years, 33 to 63. Pitt Stadium for 58 to 69. Three Rivers Stadium for 30 years. And now Heinz Field for 20 years. Now, a creature, I had a, a creature stadium. A creature, which is a mortgage yeah, it's company. Acrisure, I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know. How, I think nobody Acrisure. knows that. But it's a state. It's it's a it's a insurance brokerage <laughs> in Michigan. Like they're going from Heinz Ketchup, like which is synonymous. Like if anyone who knows goes to Pittsburgh, there's the Heinz building. You would go there. There's like it's Heinz. It's everything is Heinz. It's that's what it is. But now Heinz was taken over by Kraft. So all the jobs now are in Chicago. So it's really not Heinz in Pittsburgh. But they could have done something like what about Rolling Rock Stadium with Rolling Rock beer, Iron City Stadium. You know they have Clark Candy Bar, which maybe. Clark State, something that, but, oh, are you, you know, U.S. Steel Stadium. Like, U.S. Steel Stadium for the Pittsburgh Steelers? That would be great. It's called USX now, but it's not whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, that would be better. But not a Krischer Stadium. This is the worst name ever. Like, this, I can't imagine. A, there's one other name, which is, well, we'll get to in a second, but that's a bad name. I'm Akrashore. Nobody's going to call it Akrashore Stadium. It's just <laughs> going to be behind still. Like, we still call Dolphin Stadium Joe Robbie, or, or at least I do. Yeah, what are some of these other, I mean, We've gotten really away, and maybe it's been the last 20 years, just into some absolutely ridiculous names, things that just really don't fit. And I thought when Mile High, you know, they're like, we're not giving up our stadium name. We'll name the field after you. So it's Invesco Field at Mile High, which is kind of a clever way to side skirt that. But what are some of these other weird ones that have popped up? Well, I just think that when when, uh, American Airlines Arena is FTX, which is a crypto company, which probably be out of business like a year from now. So we're just going to (laughs) change to something else. And the Staples is crypto.com. But like the Delta Center, I thought Delta Center was bad. Delta Center, which was cool. Delta Center, Utah, like great. I like the name Delta, whatever. It was Energy Solutions, which is a nuclear waste company. A nuclear waste company. Why do these companies need to advertise? And then, <laughs> then it became a home, Vivid Home Security Stadium. That's what the name of the stadium is now. Vivid Home Security, where, where Utah Jazz play. How about Phoenix? They play at the Footprint Center. It used to be called like Phoenix Suns Arena. It was the U.S. Airways Arena, America West Arena. But I think that's bad. And Wells Fargo, where the Spectrum is in Philadelphia, it was the well. It was called the Spectrum too, and then became Core States, First Union, Wachovia, and Wells Fargo because they keep getting acquired by their different banks, which is crazy in itself. But I just, Acrosor is the worst <laughs> name. But it's like this is an iconic brand. The Steelers have had. Four coaches in a million years. They've had four names in the stadiums. They've had two quarterbacks. I mean, it's like, this is crazy. How in the world? Like, Ben leaves, and look what happens. It's a disaster. <laughs> the worst NFL stadium name ever, Ira, was in your division. 
Kmart Field for the Ravens. That lasted about four years before Kmart went under. But that was a pretty bad choice, too. But, yeah, this would be like the Yankees becoming, you know— Johnson Sausages Stadium. Like, it, 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 that sounds better. I don't know. AccraSure, <laughs> a mortgage company, a mortgage company yeah, from these, Detroit. They They're not even based in Pittsburgh. What it happens is that this company bought a company that a Steeler minority owner owns. And yeah. so that was one of sort of how the connection to God. But I just I can't, couldn't they? I mean, there has to be a point where they look to say, who's going to pay us the most amount of money? But there had to be a level where we don't care who pays us the most amount. We need someone who's going to just, it makes sense that for our brand alone. It, it brings down the Steeler brand. Well, and they could have stuck in Detroit, but Little Caesars Arena already has the Red Wings. <laughs> Crazy stuff. So it's not an assumed thing that Baker Mayfield's getting this job. And don't forget, Sam Darnold's getting paid $18 million a year. Baker Mayfield's getting paid less than five from them. So some people would say, well, you're going to start the guy with more money, but it's going to be a competition. What are some of these other competitions you're looking at? I looked I looked for the quarterbacks this year. I said there's only four. I think a five, really. I think the Mayfield, but I think Mayfield gets this. But I think, look, everyone keeps asking about the Steelers, Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. I, I don't know. I have no I think clue. Trubisky starts. I, I feel that, but I'm, I'm like, I'm still, a, one day I wake up and I think it's Trubisky. The next day I wake up, I think it's Pickett. I don't know, left side of bed, right side of bed, I'm not sure. <laughs> And then I think Seattle, Geno, I mean, this is just two bad options. Geno Smith and Drew Locke. It's like, what is Seattle doing? Are they just like punting their they're entire They're trying season? to lose. Like, this is, this, this is tanking. I mean, they're going to bring, this is like the, you know, they're, they're definitely, you know, doing that. Um, but then the Browns, now I think this is intriguing. Now they think Jacoby, because Deshaun Watson's not going to play this year. It's impossible. With all everything that's going on, I can't believe he's going to play. So it's Jacoby Brissett who played for the Colts. We saw him down here for the Dolphins. But I'm telling you, Josh Dobbs played for the Steelers, and I don't think he played that bad. Tennessee product. Yeah. And Tennessee, I, I, Dobbs could, I think Dobbs, I don't think the gap between Brissett and Dobbs is not that much. I think I would not be surprised if Dobbs is starting, but I think this is, I think what the Browns did to throw away the season when they know Deshaun Watson is going to be out the entire year is crazy. Like, I would have tried to keep Baker, just, but I would have never made that trade in the first place. They gave so much away for Deshaun Watson who's not even going to play. I mean, two years without playing football now. And he's going to go back. We're going to be talking about next year, like, oh, Deshaun Watson's going to start his first game in three years. Yeah, no, it doesn't, doesn't bode well for me. We've also got Atlanta where they – they might be trying to not really win so many games either. This is a pretty loaded quarterback draft, or they're anticipating it's going to be next year. So that's kind of where the Seattle and Atlanta thing just eh, maybe we don't care if we win two games this year. I like I like Mariota though. I thought he did well. I think but, he's a fine backup, but I think he gets injured. He runs. That he's too. a runner, and he he's, been, he's known to get injured from Tennessee or whatever. From uh, I think he and then Desmond Ritter is just unproven from Cincinnati. I, I, to think that I mean they say. I was hearing that it's not even a competition. Marietta has this job. So, but the point is that those are those are everything else is pretty set in stone from the quarterback perspective. But I think they've got no skill players either. <laughs> There's nobody for either of these guys to throw to besides Kyle Pitts. Right. But we're going to see. I think the Steelers is the the one that I that I think intriguing. If Kenny Pickett wins this job, I think people want him to because. But I think Trubisky is just a, he's more experienced, and I do I agree with you. When push comes to shove, Trubisky will win. I think one thing that's helping Trubisky, at least maybe mentally for me is the fact that Brian Dable and Joe Shine, the Giants and former Bills personnel, wanted him. They wanted him as the backup for, for, for um, Josh Allen. They wanted him in New York. These guys are guys that know talent, and they wanted Trubisky. So you have to give it a second guess. Like, what did they see in him that the dysfunctional Bears couldn't, you know, couldn't get out of it, despite the fact that he made the playoffs twice? So I think Trubisky might have a fine season in Pittsburgh. I'm not saying they're going to be the best team in the division, but... They could easily make the playoffs if, if Trubisky performs slightly above anticipation. So uh, look, I, think I think it's his job to lose. I think what the Steel like why well, I think what the Steelers did with drafting Pickett and Trubisky is like we can't make two mistakes. Like one of these is gonna work out for us. So the idea is, is like so you just draft so many number ones, like we don't know which one's gonna work, but we think our odds are better if we do two rather than one. So I think that's the point. So I've never been a huge fan of Matthew Barry. Well, you have not been a fan of his. No, at all. I, well, I think he's condescending and smug and also not that correct in his <laughs> fantasy picks. Um, but he's been the face of ESPN fantasy for years and years, and he's not going to be anymore. Unbelievable. I heard that come down, and I'm like, well, I, I sort of believe because probably you can earn so much money, but you see every now and then ESPN, there's this whole battle between ESPN and Fox losing talent. I was going to say he'll be on Fox next week. <laughs> right, But or he'll start his own fantasy, whatever, but I, I was surprised that because he is definitely anybody who plays fantasy football. If Matthew Barry tweets, I mean, as much as he has 1.1 million Twitter followers, and clearly you have to listen. You might not like him, but you're following what he says yeah. because we're all playing fantasy football, and we're listening to what Matthew 
Matthew Barry says, because if you don't listen to what he says and you disagree with what he says, but you're but someone make a move, he says, pick up someone, you have to look, well, maybe someone, it's a response, like this person's gonna play. So the point is that it just you have to you have to at least you might not agree with him, you might not like him, but you have to listen to him. No, of course. And and I every week one of my favorite things to do is look at the the compiled lists from all the top guys. Say the top ten, they rank their running backs. And you can say, okay, Barry thinks that this guy's gonna be eighth best. This guy thinks 10th. This guy thinks 7th. I can put him in about the 8 range, considering that's, you know, the, the median of everything that I saw. That, that's about the extent of what I use Matthew Berry for. But um, I'm excited for fantasy football already. Football's two months from yesterday is the opening kickoff. So My, my, my fantasy football partner says that I'm on the clock. I, I, Matt Rule <laughs> and, and, and Ira are on the clock because he says that he's terminating me as co-manager of his team. If I Really? I've won two titles, but the last couple of years I've struggled, and I feel like... <laughs> But he feels like it's a Steeler-centric focus of the drafting. So I promise him I'm not drafting Toplitsky <laughs> or Pickett. But clearly that has been uh, – I am definitely on the hot seat. I've been told I'm <laughs> on the hot seat, and uh, this could be a this could be a very scary year. It's 736, Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Palsamo. Where are we at with the Kevin Durant drama? It's all you hear about across any type of sports media since it's been announced. And I am – each day goes by, Ira, and I think less and less odds of him actually getting moved. I mean, what the Nets are asking is absurd, and maybe that's on purpose, that, hey, we're trying, KD, but we can't get Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and five first-rounders for you, so we're, we're just going to stick with you. It's just unbelievable. And first of all, I can't, like two years ago, he last year, he opted into his contract to get a four-year contract, so it was five years, so he opted in for the money, but then he doesn't control where he goes, and when he gets traded somewhere, they're going to trade all their players back yeah so he's gonna be, why is the situation he's on now worse he's only gonna go to a worse situation and what did new jersey do to him he comes to the team they say okay kevin we'll sign you to a max deal you don't have to play this You're sitting year. out a year 40 million dollars just rehab you can come and do what you want. i'm going to the covid year whatever oh you want james harden you want to play with him oh we'll make that trade we'll trade the rest of the team you want you don't want Kyrie on the, anything that he and want supposedly they practice when they want he goes to games what he wants what could the team have done more they fired Atkinson, the coach the 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 kenny atkinson they fired him because even though he was a great coach Durant didn't even play under him. He was hurt that year. But he and Kyrie didn't want Atkinson. We fire him. We'll bring – you want Steve Nash to be coach? We'll bring them in. Who – what other play has this power? It's un- – he controls it. And then he goes, oh, I don't want to. And then I hear all these comments. It's like, well, this is player empowerment, play- player empowerment. So he's allowed to leave. I go, you can have player empowerment, but it could be stupid. I mean, the team just said, Kevin, this is your team. You make the decisions. Mm-hmm. You run the show. He destroys the entire team. And then he wants to leave. I'm like, and now you're Kevin. You want to leave now? We're going to trade you. This is the this is the uh, Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony was at Denver. He goes, I want traded to the Knicks. I want to go to the Knicks. I want to go to the Knicks. And the Knicks are like, people are saying, well, just wait to the end of the year. Sign as a free yeah. agent. <laughs> the Knicks traded Wilson Chandler, Danilo Gallinari. They traded another four other picks. So these are Trevor Ariza. They traded like six players to get him, which they needed. So when he got the Knicks, he goes, oh, there's not there's nobody around here. There's where's all my players? Well, that's what you wait yeah. to sign. This is just ridiculous. And I'll tell you another thing. I have so many comments about this. I keep hearing Kevin Durant's the best player in the NBA. I don't know. He's not. No, he has. No, Jokic's won the MVP the last two years. He's phenomenal. Doncic is great. At this point, Kevin Durant got swept. His last series, he played with a healthy Kyrie. He was swept by the Boston Celtics. This is a Boston Celtics team that Jimmy Butler played, and Jimmy Butler somehow was able to take three games off yep. of it. Giannis took three games off him. So they have three. So Giannis and, and Jimmy Butler took three. Giannis with nobody else except Pat Conahan or whatever was able to take three games out, out of it. And then he goes to the finals and the Warriors beat. You know, so the point is if he's so if he's so great and so amazing, how how did that win one game? One game in the playoffs. And then they and he lost to the Bucks. I mean just I don't. I like Kevin Durant. I think he's phenomenal. Like he's a great player and all this and that. But I'm not going to say, oh, he's the best player in the NBA and everybody should just trade your entire team. That's why they're not getting all this. He's 34 years old. You're going to give him play until he's 38 years old. We were talking on this show months ago, saying, you know, looking at this team top to bottom and looking at the depth and saying, man, wouldn't it be nice to have Spencer Dinwiddie right now? Wouldn't it be nice to have Jared Allen? All these guys that Karis left Levert. the team, Karis yeah. they left the team and they're thriving. And now you're be- you, not even your bench. You don't have five starters that are good. It's, you bring up another good point too. You know, we talked about this with like NFL. You know, quarterbacks demand a trade. Well, the, the team wants f- four first round picks for me. And now you're gonna play on a team that doesn't have a first round pick for four years. Where are you getting that offensive tackle from? Where are you getting that receiver from? You're gutting the franchise. You're going to. It's not gonna make it easier. He'd be a fool to try to, unless you know 
there's talks, oh, maybe Golden State will give up a bunch of the role players for you, which they don't want to deal with him again, I don't think. But that's the only place you're going to go that's better than what you have. But why are the Nets even agreed to this? If the Nets are saying they came out, it's so interesting. Like, there's all these games going on. They just did a Nets promotion for tickets next year. He's on, he's on the promotion, but Kyrie is not. So some people said, well, he's making this demand because he wants to get Kyrie, them to re-sign Kyrie to this huge contract. So they're trying to force the Nets to sign this contract, but he, whatever. But when, they, when he called the Nets owner up and said, I want to be traded, they said, Joe Sai, who's the owner, said, okay, well, we'll accommodate that. Why? You're under contract. Like, what, we're yeah. going to pay you. Do you this isn't wanna... one year left. It's yes, four. you have four years. You're going to get $200 million, $250 million. Like, your, you know, that, we're paying you that. You just opted in last year to the contract. I think that, for what situation? Again, they're, they could trade him. The, the, the comment is, would he want to be in Minnesota? So what if Minnesota made that trade? Would you want to be on the Minnesota Timberwolves? Up, it's freezing cold. Yeah. You're in Minnesota with you and nobody else. Yeah, without no draft Towns picks, and Edwards. No Towns, no Edwards, <laughs> nobody else. Yeah, and no draft team. picks coming. And like. no draft picks. I mean, Joe Gobert is going to be on the team. So you would yeah. be Durant and Gobert. Like, what is he thinking? I just, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's made, his Oklahoma City. I can understand wanting out of Oklahoma City. He wants to sign with Golden State. That's crazy. But to leave Golden State, when you're playing with, we talk about Steph Curry, what's the greatest superstar to play with because he'll take a backseat. He'll let you be the star. Why he left that situation, this is even crazier. It, you know, we talked about how the Heat were, in my mind, top two or three teams that could that could pull it off because they could trade the likes of a Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, maybe Lowry or something like that. If they're not going to take Carl Anthony Towns and and – and Edward, if that's what their demands are, they don't have enough to get him. Yeah. They already said they don't want eight. And so at this point, it's either they're playing, you know, hardball with Durant, like we're trying our best, man. Nobody wants you. Or they're this is just what they're doing. Like, well, I guess sorry you're stuck, bud. Because yeah. our demands are too high. I right. I think and I think at the end of the game, October when the season starts, I think Kyrie will be gone, probably to the Lakers, and I think Durant will be there. Maybe with Westbrook, who knows? <laughs> that'd, that'd be a that'd be a match made in heaven right there. Um there is something to be said about the opposite. That's guys who stay and sign their contracts. Bradley Beal's been someone who has come out and said, I want to play for Washington. We've had Damian Lillard. I want to play in Portland. Good for them. They're getting paid very well, but they're sticking around. I, I Again, Lillard just signed two years, $120 million. He nice signed contract. Out the most, which now gives him almost, he's going to sign like a $450 million in his career with the Portland Trailblazers. He's like, I like playing here. I want to make this my, I like that. Like, what's the matter? And then the people on ESPN, they hate it. Like, again, this is the national and local idea where the national people are saying, oh, we want Damon Lillard out. Go to New we York. Go you know? somewhere. We want you. We, you shouldn't be there. Team up with other players. No, like, I want to be the star of my team. I make a, Damon Lillard's on every Hulu commercial you could imagine. He's <laughs> advertised. With I mean, anybody, he's everywhere. Why not that? Bradley Beal loves playing for Washington. He likes living in Washington. He likes playing for Washington. You keep saying it. That's what they've been saying. It's like, stop trading me. I'm trying to make this work. I want to stay here. They're paying me more. And that's why I get the NBA. I'm going to Tim Frank on. I'm going to give him credit. Because if you look at the stars, you have Beal and Zach Levine, who re-opted in with Chicago. Lillard, who's staying there. Jokic just signed the massive contract with Denver because they get paid a little more if they stay, which, yeah. is, which is really good. You have Booker, who re-signed with the Suns. You have Carl Anthony Towns, Towns, who stayed with Minnesota. And then recently on rookie contracts, Morant with Memphis, Zion with New Orleans, Garland, uh, Darius Garland with the Cavaliers. And then Glass. Last year, Giannis with Milwaukee, Trey Young with Atlanta, Luka Doncic with Dallas, Stefan Draymond and Clay with all the Warriors. That's what we want. I mean, that's what David Stern said. I don't, we don't, can't have a league of all the stars in one place. And where they are working, when the stars do get together, it's a complete mess, which is the Lakers and Nets, which I think they should combine both those teams. The Lakers and Nets should just be like one huge superstar <laughs> team they could play as like the superstars or whatever. But that's what I think. I get to give the NBA credit for the fact that they put the collective bargaining agreement. And I give credit to these players who's saying, gosh, you know, I want to stay and build something in a team, in a market that I'm trying to grow with. And I like that. And we keep seeing guys, the grass is definitely not always greener. If you like playing for the franchise, you like everything about it, they're paying you more than anyone else can, why would you leave? These kids, they go sense. to restaurants, they have investments in their community, they have teams. That's like Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook was at Oklahoma City. Everything was going great for him at this. Oh, I went out. Now it's a disaster, but he was the king of Oklahoma City. Yeah, why? he was. Now, he, does he look happy? Does Russell Westbrook look like a happy person? No. Stay in Oklahoma City. Make all your commercials. That's so great about the NBA. You can be anywhere. There's no market. Zion Williams is going to be more marketable. He has to go to L.A. to be marketable. Zion Williams could be playing in, in North Pole, and he's marketable. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, play. So the point is that that's what's so great, and that's what I like the fact about the NBA. These players have stayed. We talk so much, and we spend it on the show talking about the Lakers and talking about Durant and LeBron, but the vast majority of these stars are staying, which I do like. What about guys that are actually available? 
Well, DeAndre Ayton is still left. I, you know, he's a big center for the Suns. They don't want to pay him max money because they're like centers. We want centers to do threes. We don't want to have the. We can find someone else for like ten million. This is a year. what. Why do they draft him in a year that you had Luka Doncic coming out? Why would you if you don't want a back to the to the back uh, back to the rim? Center, why'd you take him with the number one overall pick? Could you imagine Doncic on that team? It'd yeah, be unbelievable. He could. <laughs> that would be tremendous. But I mean, I think they're going to—they're looking. He. It seems like they're going to sign. It, everyone's in rumoring the trade to Indiana will be traded to Indiana. So they'll Indiana they'll make, loves the center. Yeah, they <laughs> like the centers, but they have Miles Turner also there. So I don't know how that's going to work. But the point is, is that I think that he'll be traded. But um, that would be the one player. Harden looks like he's going back to Philadelphia, and uh, Colin Sexton. I don't know. But it seems like we're almost done with all the moves. But I would say Aiton is the next. You'll see a big headline. ESPN breaking news would be Aiton traded to the Pacers. Um, I've been watching a little bit of Summer League, mostly because I'm thrilled with Chet Holmgren. I don't know why I like this kid so much, though, but seeing this kind of frail, goofy kid really be as athlet- much more athletic than I, than I anticipated he was going to be at this level, I'm excited for him. Anything else you've seen? No, Summer I just League? think it's fun. I think I think the Warriors, the young Warriors, you're starting to see. I keep talking about Kaminga, Wiseman, healthy Moses, Mood. Like you're talking about the Warriors, not only are the best team, but now there's this is they're the they're like those soccer teams you talk about have like the the other league, like the junior mm-hmm. club, and the junior club's the best club in the world, but their senior club, like Chelsea, I'm not the expert on how to describe this. They have the academies where the kids start at nine years yes, old. Yes, yeah. I mean they have the best young group of players, and they have the best older they group draft of players. Well. They draft well. They bring other players in, and and you know. Another thing they do recruit. So Dante Desenvio, the guy from Villanova, I was reading about how they recruited him after they lost Peyton and how Steph called him up, Clay called him up. They really work together. That's how they got Durant to go there. They these these stars work hard to get. You now it's easy, you know, to go there. He says, "Look, after they, I got a call from Steph Curry. I wanted to go play there. So he's done a Steph Curry's done everything to build this franchise. He, they, Didn't so, Steph fly to the Hamptons or something? He, yeah, they were yeah. in the Hamptons. I was there. I was on the boat and I saw they were they were saying they're going. Oh, they're meeting in secret. And I saw Durant standing on the boat like at Sunset Beach. He, you know, he's seven feet tall. Standing there on a boat with the other warriors. Have you seen uh, Adam Sandler's new movie Hustle? I did, and I wanted to bring it up. It is a must, must, <laughs> really? must, must. It's not. It's not like Camille is. He's phenomenal. He plays like this. He was a gentleman. He was on a team. It was a scout. He discovers a player. The owner of the Sixers doesn't like him. Doesn't like this person he discovered. So he sort of quits. You know, it's more Jerry Maguire. I quit my job. I'm going to bring this player. I'm going to make him great. They're all the, the whole thing is all NBA players are doing doing this. Anthony Edwards is like the nemesis. But it is the acting is good. The the Sandler's tremendous. The plot line is great. I'm crying during the movie. Go see Hustle. If you love the NBA, you're done watching summer league games. It's just, <laughs> it is it is a must-watch movie. It is really one of the, it's a great sports movie. So, Ira, explain to us what's going on in college football. By the way, 747, Ira on Sports, True All Channel. What's going on in college football? We, we kind of saw, you know, we had talked about it once Texas and Oklahoma said, hey, we're joining the SEC. We said there's going to be like some kind of consolidation of power here. And that it's slowly happening, and now we're seeing more pieces move, more money involved. So catch us up. Well, it's all about the money, and and, and USC and UCLA have been. It was this came together pretty fast, but I think with the Big Ten was like we're the Big Ten and the SEC are going to sign these new TV deals. Everyone's signing new TV deals, and you want to have the best product when you sign a new TV deal. Only one conference doesn't have a TV deal. And that's um, the ACC. So the ACC's TV deal is that they had a, it's long term. So it's like Dick's like 12 more years of a contract where it doesn't pay him that much. And that's why they're having some problems and they're nervous because now you see USC and UCLA. And it's like for the Big Ten's purpose, it's like we got the LA market. This now look, look at our product. It's great. USC and UCLA look at this saying, look, we need to make money. UCLA was offered all this money by Under Armour, who backed out of a deal. They had COVID restrictions. They were playing in empty stadiums. They play at the Rose Bowl. USC is trying to upgrade themselves. And they're like, we're playing Oregon State and all those things. We need to upgrade. And I think that's why they made the move. And now you're just looking, what's going to happen to the Pac-12? What's going to happen to the Big 12? Who's acquiring who? Who's taking whatever? And at the end of the day, everyone's looking. There's going to be two major conferences. It's going to be the SEC and the Big 10. And that's what's going to be those two. It's the power two and everybody else. And now the question is where that gap is from these other schools. And I think that's when you look at schools right now. If you're Clemson, you're like, I don't want to be left out. Clemson won't be left out, but Clemson's going to have to say, I want I, the, the ace. This con- television contract is holding all these ACC teams together. They try to break it to pay the money back. It costs all this money. But there's a point where Miami, Florida State, and Clemson, you're like, they're going to go to the SEC. Like they have to. They fit so well. They're not going to the Big Ten. 
But yeah. the point is that Clemson, Florida State, and Miami would go go to the SEC because if you're Florida State, you don't want to be in a conference ACC when you're getting like 30 million when Florida and the SEC is getting 100 million. So how are you going to compete? Florida State's going to be a second tier power compared to Florida. And if you're Clemson, you don't want South Carolina making all this money in the SEC when you're not making any money yourself. I think you're going to see that's what you're going to see consolidation. And then these other schools like a Wake Forest. Tough. Sorry. You're going to have to do something else. But you're seeing a whole consolidation, and people are upset about it and how this is happening. But it's all about the money, and it's about how the situation these teams have. And uh, I'm intrigued by where these other schools – uh, will decide to go. You see, I think no, everyone's waiting for Notre Dame. I now, was going to ask, what do you think happens at Notre I, you Dame? You know, Notre Dame thinks they can just still, they're going to just straddle the line. Like they play in all their sports in the ACC and in football, they're independent. They love being independent. They love that NBC new deal comes up. They're going to make a fortune if they re-sign with NBC or with someone like that. So they might keep trying this, but eventually they want to be in the cultural playoff. If they're not allowed to be in the playoff, they'll have to join either the Big Ten. Now, they can join the Big Ten and they want. The Notre Dame could join the SEC if they wanted to. Notre Dame could join anything they want, but the point is, I think that's the that's the school we're looking at. I think you look at you look at Oregon and Washington, which are two big names. You're Phil Knight's supposedly calling everybody. You know, I donate hundreds of millions of dollars to school. Could mm-hmm. someone please take, you know, he wants Oregon to the Big Ten. Washington wants to be in the Big Ten, but that leaves out schools like Oregon State, Cal Berkeley, who knows what happens there. Some people f- feel that Stanford you know, like Stanford, really not that great in football, but okay, it's good. But no, but Stanford perhaps would go to the Big Ten because Notre Dame would say, we'll come in, but we want Stanford with Another us. Another academic They would rather Stanford yeah. come than Oregon or Washington. So that would be the point. Or they might take all four of them and make it 20. So that would be a 20-team. Right now they're at 16, so that would make them a 20-team conference. And the SEC takes Miami, Florida State, and Clemson, and uh, maybe North Carolina. Then there's Virginia, too, make it 22. So, And the ACC... <laughs> like, I guess maybe trying to draw some attention to them. Did you see what they did with rivalry games? Where each, at first I thought it was four team, like, sub-conferences. And you play these four teams every year. Instead, you have three rivals. University of Miami's rivals, Boston College, um, who, uh, Louisville, and obviously Florida State. This is, this is what you guys came up with? You're going to play Boston College every year? That's Miami's rival? Like, come on. This is just weak, Iron. Maybe they just have nothing else they can do. Well, it, I think what really hurt the ACC, it comes down to this, is that it comes down to the fact that Miami and Florida State could not become state elite. If they would have stayed elite superpower teams with Clemson, then, have you, then you have a conference in Virginia Tech, too. Their inability to stay superpower, they, they, that hurt the ACC because now the ACC has been Clemson and everybody else. You have Pitt and Wake Forest in conference championship games. You have all those situations, and I think that was the problem. In the Big Ten, Michigan's had their ups and downs. Ohio State has been great year in, year out. Penn State is elite. Penn State stays top. Wisconsin stays good. And then you have Alabama and you have Georgia and you have every LSU and everybody else. The whole SEC is so strong. And I think someone made a comment. It's like these schools are there because they're making the commitment. Their fan bases are more into the games. The fans go to the games. They pack stadiums, 80,000 people. There is a difference because they keep, the, the alumni donate more money. They care about more about the school. So that's why they have more money and that's why they're the TV deals. It's not, look, Wake Forest is a great, great school, but they're not selling 90,000 fans. They're no. not having stadiums of 100,000 people, and that's what hurts them. Need to get Vandy out of the SEC. <laughs> they're never going to leave. Vanderbilt <laughs> no, will never leave. No. <laughs> Unless they're uh, forcefully asked to uh, to, to re- relinquish the squad. Um, let's talk a little golf. We are on the precipice of the Open Championship, Ira. Oh, it's so exciting. This is just amazing. The Brit- that We're not supposed to call it Open, not the British Open. It's at St. Andrews, the birthplace of golf, established 1552, 469 years ago. And I, I found this was really some history. James II of Scotland banned golf because he said young men were playing too much golf and not much archery. They have to <laughs> practice their archery. So it went on for another 50 years of no golf in all of England. And then James IV said, wait, I love playing golf. I don't like the <laughs> archery. And I'm the king. And I'm going to say, let's play golf. So back to golf. There was used to there was 22 holes at St Andrews, and they're like, you know, some of these holes are too easy. So they made they combined a bunch of holes. And they had 18. That's how we have 18 holes because they Crazy. had 22, and two were too short, and whatever they came up. And look, everyone's won this. Bobby Jones won at St Andrews. Uh, um, Sam Snead won in 46. Nicholas won twice at 70, 78. Seve Ballesteros won. Nick Faldo. John Daly, that's the only one. It's like I'm giving these names. John Daly won. It's just unbelievable. He's there getting loose, too, the Tiger, I saw. <laughs> and then Woods, Tiger Woods won 2000, 2005. Leos hasn't won. Zach Johnson, I guess, more of a John Daly type thing. But it's hosted the major 29 times. Um, and this is uh, this is like the oldest trophy. You know, it used to be, they used to give a belt 
if you're winning, you're winning, you won it. You didn't get any money. You got a belt and you got to caddy because again, it was the golf back in the old days was just for the rich people play golf. And if you were pros, it just gave you the right to be a caddy and you got to wear a belt. That's weird. <laughs> and, then, and then, and now you, of course that changed. And uh, it won, they did have a year, one year because the guy, young Tom Morris won it so many times that he kept the belt. And so they had no belt to give to anybody. <laughs> then they started with the Claret judge. And uh, as I said, it goes, it, it's been, it's, it's one of these things where it, they, 2007, they said it's going to be called the Open, not the British Open anymore. It's the Open big thing. And this is look for the European golfers. This is bigger than this is. The, well, I would say the I still th I now think having gone to the Masters, it's the biggest tournament. But I think at St Andrews, there's a reason why Tiger Woods did not play in the U.S. Open, but decided to play in St Andrews. I think this is the 150th anniversary. All those things. Anything else you want to talk about here with golf? I know Xander Shoffley got a tournament win this this uh, week. It was good to see him and Patrick Cantlay I just getting, getting well. I know, but so, I want to give my predictions. Yeah, what do you got? So, Rory, 9-1. to one. He's won in 2014, finished third in 2010 when it was here. He, he has been in, but in the last couple of years, he, but 9-1. to one, And we know Rory, I, I can't do that. And then everyone likes Xander, the prisoner of the moment, wanting 14-1. to one. Rahm is 14-1. He was third last year at the British Open. Of course, they played at a different St. George is a different course. Uh, Spieth is 16-1. Sheffer is 16-1. And then uh, Justin Thomas is 18-1. Matthew Fitzpatrick, who won the U.S. Open, is 18-1. And then I like Shane Lowry. How about this? One of mine, 22-1. You know, in 2019, he won this. We know he's been hot this year, and in 2021, he's 12th. But I like Shane Lowry at 22 to one. And how about Will Zalatoris? How can you he's not bet there. him? Will he's 25 to one since 2020. He's been in seven majors, six top tens, and three seconds. You're not going to bet him at 25 to one. If I had a horse that I said this is the horse in a horse <laughs> race, and you get 25 to one, you would think that's the favorite. That's unbelievable. Um, Cam Smith is 25 to one. Kennedy 25 to one. And then I like my other person. I'd bet DJ. This is the, you know, the worst thing for the media tour was the live golfer would win this event. He's 35 to one. He finished third at the last of the Portland event. Um, he's 2011. He was second British Open, 2012 ninth. So he's had a, some top tens in this tournament. So I like that. Uh, what's another guy? Hovland, 40 to one. Uh, 40 to one. Yeah. And then, I mean, look, Tiger, 60 to one. Now, this is, let's just talk about Tiger for one second. On Saturday, he played 18 holes at night. He finished. He never plays at night. So he finished. Sunday morning, he gets up at like 7 morning and plays another 18. And then on Monday, he played. Today, he played another 9. So he's played all these holes, 45 holes, in the space of how many hours? Mm -hmm. And besides, and he's been playing with Justin Thomas the whole time. Everyone says he's hitting the ball, lights out. He just had trouble walking. But as long as I think uh, uh, 60 to 1 for Tiger. I mean, put $100 on that one. That would be out. He's won this, this. And he also, the other thing about Tiger is he plays this on his video game all the time. He has the greatest, <laughs> like, video game. So he has a course, and he's been playing when he's hurt all those games. He probably knows this course. He has, it like, his own version of this course. Mm -hmm. So he, I think, how could you bet, not a bet, Tiger at 60-1? to 1? That's a must. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm so excited for this. You have the Live Golfer Tour. You have everyone, the golfers. Greg Norman's not invited to this, all those things. And it, also, one thing I learned, I forgot. You know, the DP World Tour is Dubai World. So, like, the European Tour is banning all these golfers, but they're funded by Dubai. So, it's the same Very thing as Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is crazy. Now, the Justice Department has you know, looked into the PGA Tour, and that's one thing, which I, I, I keep saying. I, I think the Live Tour is – and I think after this tournament is over, and it's definitely after the Players' Championship, you're going to start seeing even more golfers come to the live tour so where are we at in baseball real quick we've only got about two minutes here but we're, we're staring down the all-star game we're staring down the all-star game what about the match up this tonight the braves and the mets braves have been on fire i mean they were how many games 12 back yeah and now they're one and a half back and we have scherzer versus freed i mean if there's like a game you want to watch like in the, that's going to be cool and then look the red sox and the yankees the red sox split and it was split against the yanks the yanks have now the yanks are showing a little bit of we beat all the bad teams, but now we're losing to, like, they lost to the Astros. They're losing the Red Sox. Maybe they're not unbeatable, even though they have this great, great record. I, I wanted to bring something up because we had talked. This is the Mike rule. Yeah, well, the, I keep hearing that they want to put a mercy rule in. Say 10 runs, the game's over, that kind of thing, which I think is ridiculous. Why not put a we quit rule in? I've seen three times in the last week where a team's down seven, eight, nine runs late, and they bring in position players to throw batting practice to the other team. Six more runs are scored. It makes baseball look ridiculous. If that's the way you're going to go, just let teams just walk away. Okay, we're, we're done with this game. We're down 10 runs in the ninth. We, we quit. Don't put a mercy rule in. Let these guys voluntarily leave. because well, they're, they're voluntarily quitting anyway by putting in Jackie Bradley Jr. and outfielders to pitch. 
Well, the Pirates play the Yankees in a two-game series. They sold out both games. The first game, the Pirates win. It's probably you – know, I looked to watch it on TV. It was so exciting. The atmosphere at PNC Park, is when it's packed and going crazy, raise the Jolly Roger, the flags, everything. Tremendous. Steelers, uh, Penguin atmosphere. Then they go the second game. They're down 5 nothing, And because they had a doubleheader against the Reds the next day, they decide to concede the game, which I thought was insane. You're only down 5 nothing against the Yankees, and you have a full house of fans. Again, what can the Pirates do right? Is there anything they can do right? They're pathetic. They're <laughs> pathetic as a franchise and everything. And then they go and they lose. They give up what? Judge had a home run. Stanton had a home run. Mm-hmm. Gave up runs. And then the Pirates are mad that they swung at pitches. What? Judge and Stanton get paid money to put stats up. You want to throw a pitcher out that throws 50 miles an hour, then you're going to get hit home runs. Why are they complaining about the Yankees? Yeah, it was batting practice for, for Stanton and Judge, the two oh. biggest bombers. In and the then league. the Pirates complain that they hit home runs. I, I just, I'm done. I'm done with that. I just, <laughs> I mean, the Pirates, you complain. You're pathetic. This was it. You're a national, t- I mean, unbelievable Pirates. About 30 seconds here. Let's uh, talk a little racing before we wrap it up. Yes. Well, it was at the Red Bull, at the Red Bull Arena in Austria, and uh, it was Leclerc, Charles Leclerc, Ferrari, and Verstappen, Matthew Verstappen battled. Three times they were passing each other. I was watching mostly the tennis, but I was switching back and forth. Sites Ferrari, his engine blew up, so he was out of the race. But Leclerc hang on, hung on to win. Verstappen was second. Lewis Hamilton had another pole, you know, pole position, not pole position, but on the podium. So he finished third. And George Russell, Mercedes, was fourth. Uh, Verstappen still has a 38-point lead over Leclerc. They're halfway in 11 races down, 11 races to go, but uh, it was it was a big win. I mean, people love watching Ferrari. I mean, now you have three really good teams: Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull battling it out each week. And this was a good race. I mean, and, and next week uh, they're going to play at Hungary, uh, at France, so France in two weeks, and then Hungary, and then they take like a month off for uh, the summer. But they actually have two more races, and then they start again in the fall. NASCAR defending champion uh, Chase Elliott won in Atlanta. He's from Atlanta, so he wanted to win the race. His dad had won this race five times, so it was a big win for him to go win the Atlanta for NASCAR. And Ira, um, I think next week you'll be doing the show where you're calling in from the All-Star game. Well, I'll be in L.A., but we're going to be doing the uh, uh, the home run It'll derby be the night so of the derby, before yeah. the before. So we'll have to we'll have to st- we'll have to tape the show a little earlier so I can make the home run derby. Get some great pictures. I can't wait to put that in the Iron Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to follow Ira everywhere he goes at Ira on Sports across social media. We're out of time. I want to thank Ira. I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on Sports.